It's alright that Pokemon, isn't it? I'm, I'm hearing that you don't, like, totally hate it this time around. You're not, like, burned down all the Pokemon, you know, it's alright, isn't it? Yeah, well, the thing is, is Gen 1 Pokemon are fine by me, so Pokemon Let's Go is right up my alley. Um, we're going to get introductions out of the way because... We're going to talk about Pokemon for a bit today. Yeah. And Gavin might do a little sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a nice comfy pillow here and a blanket. I might yeah. just nod off while you're talking about that. Don't worry, listener. We will talk about other things as well. I have like three, four minutes worth of Fallout 76 to talk about as well. Oh, I got things to say about Fallout. We've, oh, we, we, I'm, I'm glad that like this isn't me monologuing this week and I have <laughs> someone to, to say all my thoughts out who will go, yes, those are thoughts. Yeah, we've been, um, chatting a lot in the past week, uh, updating each other on, um, Pokemon Let's Go progress. Um, don't worry, we'll get to Fallout 76 because I only played four hours before the last recording. So and the podcast went up after the Jim Pressions video I did. So people might wonder why I got kinder <laughs> toward the game. Um, chronologically, those things were reversed. So yeah, my my opinion on Fallout seventy six is a lot dimmer. Um, <laughs> but my opinion on Pokemon Let's Go is only going through the roof. Uh, yeah, so so Laura and I have been excitedly chatting about Pokemon Let's Go, which released last week. Uh, Laura's had a lot more time with it, but I finally got hold of it and love it. Uh, Laura's been very kindly sending me some Pokemon that I needed, um, like the exclusives. Um, I tried to send the shiny Arbok Laura's way, but <laughs> that didn't turn out too well. Yeah, t- turns out having a system of connecting people to each other that's entirely based on put in three pictures of Pokemon and hope that no one else puts the same three pictures of Pokemon in isn't necessarily the best system. Ain't great, is it? Ain't great. Yeah, because we thought we'd been paired up, but and like Jim, Jim thought we were paired up because I was like, okay, Jim, I'll send you a Growlithe. And the person Jim was paired with selected Growlithe to send. So Jim's like, oh yeah, that's 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 Laura. No. We didn't check each other's usernames. Oh no, I I looked at the username and it was something something hobo, and I was like, oh that sounds like a name Jim would pick. <laughs> like, yeah. It was like trash hobo or something. I was like, yeah, that sounds like Jim. <laughs> so we just sort of assumed and and that didn't Oops. go too well. So whoever Tang is, as I said on yeah. the, the co-optional podcast yesterday, whoever Tang is, made off like a bandit. What a lucky little fucker. Ta- Tang, if it weren't for you, I would be up to 33 species of shiny right now. You, you, you're hurting the cause of my quest to be the very best. We're going to have to talk about the shinies in a minute. That's <laughs> wild. While you were there, did you invite Dodger to come on with us? Uh, Dodger wasn't on that week, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We, we replaced it with Sony's presence at E3. So it was uh. just a big black box with nothing in it. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, Tang made off like a bandit. It's all right. I had another shiny Ekans. It's fine. Um, this game is especially good because it does let you just catch lots of Ekans, and the Ekanses get better. As Laura described <laughs> last week, the Ekanses get better the more you catch. So I, I got a lot of Ekans. Yeah, you you don't have to settle for just I got an Ekans. It's I'm now going to get the best Ekans and the shiny Ekans and the best shiny Ekans. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then Laura tells me, and I, I'm now in the end game, so I've seen them around. There are those Pokemon masters that have, uh, they, they specialize in one perfect Pokemon. The trainer where they're like, I am the best Rattata trainer in the world. Come fight my yeah. level 75 Rattata with weird moves. And then if you fight them, you get the title of that Pokemon's master. So I could 
and will be the Ekans master. Jim Sterling, the the Ekans master. That's like the page master, but good. I was so excited to tell you that if you play this to the end game, you could become the Ekans master. And in response, Laura got in the message just random letters and numbers because I couldn't formulate words. Uh, so that's that's one of my goals. I'm glad you've been having fun with your shiny snake. Oh God, it is it's so shiny and baby food green. Oh. <laughs> Some of the shinies I'm not too fond of the colours on I don't actually like the colour of the shiny Ekans That weird sort of, as I say, baby food green I will say, there's a lot of shiny Pokemon that just get turned green Green is a very common colour for shiny Pokemon And green ain't my thing, green is not my colour Like, y- you know, like, one of my, the, the biggest travesties to me about shiny Pokemon Is that Dragonite is one of my favourite Pokemon And they just make him a weird mint green And he, does, he doesn't look cool in mint green Ugh I want like a I want like a red or a black Dragonite. He looked like the dragon from Through the Dragon's Eye, and yeah. that's a very fine nostalgic show. But you don't want you don't want a Pokemon as the dragon from Dragon's Eye. He wasn't all that efficient. Uh, but yeah, I've been enjoying the game a lot. Um, my current goal now is to get the the Chansey. I want a Chansey now because that's one of my other favourites. Um, it's basically Kirby, but like, just looks fabo and gay with an egg. <laughs> so I'm all about some Chansey. Um, I'm keeping an eye out for that particular nature of Chansey for you. Yeah. Um, it's the the Scyther. The jo- I need a Jolly Scyther. Uh, it's the Scyther. Yes. It's I I know that like Chansey and Scyther. I'm looking out for specific things for you, but yeah. Like I was all about like, oh, I want to get the one with all the the maxed out stats and everything. But then I'm like, well, you got the bottle caps for that. So, oh yeah, uh, like six six days you could turn a terrible one into a great one, so. Yeah. And here's the thing, I do not even know if I'm going to be playing it competitively at all. But it bothers me if it's not the exemplar pokemon. I'm I'm in a similar position to you where I'm like I don't know if I will do this competitively, but getting a team that could be competitive is like viable. Yeah. And doable. <laughs> like, I, I go back and forth on it, on, on natures and the IVs and, and everything, um, because it does sort of go against the ethos of Pokemon narratively, where you're supposed to love all of your lovely little monsters that you pick up, but then you do just discard them because they're not genetically perfect. And then it becomes very cold and clinical and... And quite grotesque. You know why this doesn't feel weird to me? Is I've had two years of Pokemon Go desensitising me to this. I've had two years of Pokemon like slowly just becoming catch everything, grind it into candy. If it's not perfect, don't keep it. You see? I feel bad, but I've had two years to, to come to terms with that. And I'm like... I'm no longer playing this, like, the bright-eyed anime protagonist who's like, yeah. I caught my one Pidgey and they're my best friend. I'm now like, no, I'm going to be the very best fucker. It's just resources. It's just a Morton Joe now. Just separating people into resources and production. It cycles back around because now I have my 100% IV shiny Charizard and I'm like... I will never love a Pokemon as much as I love you. You are perfect. Unless they come out with a double shiny. They'll do that in the future. And then you just throw that one in the trash. Because Pokemon is late stage capitalism. That's what it's turned into. Uh, uh, Implying it wasn't that from the beginning. (laughs) Okay, yeah. I mean, in in 
product terms, yes. I mean, it's it's there in the catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The literal catchphrase. So for anyone who's not like played it or been up to speed on it, like I, I, I touched on it a little bit last week, like the whole what's different about this Pokemon, and now Jim has had a chance to play it and have some thoughts on some of these things. Um it's basically a Pokemon Yellow remake with a little bit of additional story stuff popped in here and there to sort of make the narrative make a little more sense. Couple of little updates and changes that are kind of nice. Bit more post-game. Catching is very different. You don't fight things anymore. You just throw balls and that's all you do. And, like, they made it more transparent to see whether you have the perfect thing or how you get the shiny thing. It's just a bit more clear. And that was... That is some evil genius on their part. Because yeah. I would play a Pokemon game and I knew the IVs were there. I knew the hidden stats were there. And it, it always bothered me knowing that I probably didn't have the perfect Pokemon. Not, again, not because of any interest in competitive stuff. It was just... I don't know what it is. It's just my brain is bothered a bit by that. But now I can see the stats. Mm. And now you've got the nature clearly telling you which stat is maximised, which stat is minimised. And now I know that can be fixed on my end. And I know exactly what needs doing. And now it's got me hooked. It's evil. And I am brilliant. So I, I initially wasn't sold on the whole, like, don't fight the Pokemon before you catch them, just catch them. But in the post-game, I totally see why that choice makes sense, because this whole mechanic of catch, like, big chains of Pokemon, catch the same Pokemon over and over and over again, it definitely is streamlined that, like, you can just jump in, throw the ball, catch it, next one, keep going. Yeah. Um, I, I love all these little systems they've introduced to not only make the your Pokemon's attributes clearer, but how to change them is clearer, because, like... You've got this one NPC that's like, okay, you answer some questions. Your Pokemon will probably have this nature for for the rest of the day. That makes it far easier than the previous very, 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 very random chance you had of getting the right nature. Um, if you want a shiny or you want better IVs, it's like, right, catch this many of the same Pokemon in a row. You'll get a little counter that shows you've done it. That'll raise your odds. It's all just easier in-game, without having to go look at separate resources, to know how do I get the cool things that I want the way that I want them. Yeah, and I was a, an obsessive player of Red back in mm. the day. And so it's part of why I think this one appealed to me is because the, the original 150 Pokemon were my thing. Yeah. The, the later ones, just a lot of them just felt a bit more cobbled together in terms of design. And I'm always more interested in the designs of the Pokemon than mm. the mechanics of them. Um, a lot of them just felt a bit like, oh, you've just... I mean, that's just another dog, isn't it? Or, or those ones... Like, a, it's a bunch of keys is one of them now. Well, to be fair... Well, okay, it's the key ring. The keys are not part of the Pokemon I'll have you know, Chim. Oh, um, the... But I will I will defend later gens a little bit by saying uh, the first generation does have a rat, a pigeon, a horse, uh, a seal, a goldfish. Like, a lot of them are just, here's an animal. Yeah, but, but I didn't mind that. It's when <laughs> it was like, oh, this is the fifth dog you've done. That's when I'm like, oh, now you're a bit... That's fair. Or the ones where it's just like, 
they were clearly so struggling for ideas, they've just made horrible homunculi of just like, well, it's two giraffes stuck together, innit? There is one Pokemon in a later gen I will give some love to, and it is Mimikyu, which is the horrifying abomination that just wants to be loved, so it made itself a Pikachu costume. I'm like, oh no, I love Mimikyu. That's a good Pokemon. He gave me some lore that I care about. The later generations do have some great ones. Don't mm. get me wrong. Mimikyu is one of them. Um... Oh god, I can't even remember its name now. The little yellow fucker. It's like a ye- little yellow Pac-Man head, and it eventually turns into a long necked, almost a Dratini-looking one. I used to love that one. Oh god, why can't I remember its bloody name now? I don't know which one off the top of me head. Um, I I always loved Blaziken, which was I think Gen three, the uh, the chicken that evolves into like a fire kickboxing chicken. Mm. That was a good one, but. Yeah, this this Pokemon's like really got my attention in a way that a lot of Pokemon games uh don't. Yeah. Cuz like don't get me wrong, I love Pokemon. Pokemon has like a ridiculously special place in my heart. Um as a kid that grew up with really bad uh social issues, Pokemon was a thing when I was really young that really helped me to reach out to people and to make those first like tentative friendships with people was it was a safety topic that my, like, knowing obsessive amounts of detail about was a cool thing for a couple of years when I grew up, and that 150 Pokemon and, like, being obsessive about having all of them and making them great was really important to me growing up. And, like, for years, in the last few years, Pokemon games have come out and I will play them. I'll play through all the story content, I'll maybe complete the, the new Pokedex, and I'll usually drift off, and I'll never try and play it competitively. I just kind of stop, and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's it is what it is. But this this Pokemon game, I'm like 110, 120 hours in, and I have no intention of stopping. Um, I completed my my Pokedex pretty easily, and went, you know what? The tools this game gives me, I have a new challenge, my arbitrary challenge I have given myself. I am going to have all 150 Pokemon in shiny um, and then get them to good stats because I want to beat all of the master trainers using shiny versions of their Pokemon. That is my long-term goal. Chingling. Chingling. Sorry, that's Chingling's what it was. It was Chingling. <laughs> Chingling. And I like, um, was it Lucha Hawk? Oh, uh, yeah, Hawk, Hawk Lucha. Hawk Lucha. I got the, yeah, I got it the wrong way around. Yeah, I, I love that one. I used to... I can't remember. I don't know why I can't remember the, the later names one. I think it's because they weren't as ingrained into my brain as the early ones. Um, but yeah, I got sidetracked trying to remember Chingling because I was going to say like I was I obsessively played Red back in the day. But mm. I'm, as an older person with a lot more to do, I, I thought I wouldn't like just catching Pokemon without the fighting. But I do appreciate how streamlined this is and and how more immediate it is. And yet it made me, therefore, grind so much more and waste more time and, and fuck off a lot of my work to do it. I think I think part of it, though, is that because it's less less thought required in the catching phase, it means that it's easier to have the telly on and grind some catches while the telly's on in your handheld. Like, it's you can pay less attention to that and get the legwork done. Yeah. Rather than, like, I have to focus on this for X number of hours to get that grinding done. Yeah. No, no, it's, you're totally right. Like, we had uh, 15 on 
which I've been talking about in a few places a bit too much. Um, a 90, early 90s teen drama from Canada that had a little tiny boy Ryan Reynolds in it. Um, <laughs> and that was on TV and we were laughing at how ludicrous it was. And then I started getting actually into the storylines in which nothing happens. <laughs> nothing ever happens in the show, but I'm glued to the screen. But I was doing, like, add that on while also just catching lots of Ekans. I've got like over 700 Ekans candies now uh, because I just went too overboard in getting Ekanses. I've been really unlucky with my. Uh, I've been trying to find a shiny Growlithe, and my shiny Growlithe spawns have just like I've, they've just not been happening for me when I need them. I have like nine hundred Growlithe candy right now. It's it's a thing, but I've barely noticed doing it because I've just been doing it while other stuff's on, and I, yeah, I'm getting way too into this end game. I want to beat all these master trainers, and I'm like, I, I'll just. Play a little bit while I do something else. While I'm listening to a podcast, I'll uh, I'll play a little bit, and then it's like, oh no, that's 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 another ten hours on my play count somehow. Oops. Yeah. Like we're doing th- we're doing this podcast right now. I have my switch <laughs> on a little stand in front of me, and I'm just watching out for that 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 Growlithe field. I'm like, nice. where are you, shiny Growlithe? Are you here yet? I liked it enough to even say, fuck it, I'll get the Pokeball, the Pokeball Plus. Um. A bit upset mm. that the muse you get in it are randomised. It's almost like it's a loot bowl. Um, well, see, I was pissed off about that until I realised, like, okay, I can at least hyper-train it. You can hyper-train it, but you can't change its nature. No, you can't change its nature. Nature is random. Um, I'm lucky enough I got one with the maxed special attack, but I got the colours mixed up at first. I thought red was... Because traditionally you think blue would be superior, red inferior. It's the other way around. Yeah. When I first saw it and thought the red was inferior, I was pissed. I was pissed. <laughs> um, but the Pokeball Plus is quite nice as a thing. I like how it feels. It's got this lovely texture. Yeah, like, it's it's a small device, but it's a really nice little thing. It's yeah. completely unnecessary, but that... Here's the thing, like, I ordered that the day before it came out, because, like, I'd been playing this game eight days already, and I was like, I, I didn't pay for the game or the Pokeball. I, mm, I, I, I ordered myself a charging thing for the Pokeball, because mm-hmm. I was like, ah... Uh, I I'm going I'm going to treat myself. Um, I didn't think I'd get much use out of it because I hate I hate playing this docked. I think those motion controls are fucking awful, and I wish there was an option not to use them. But I I am getting a fair bit of use out of it because of that whole idea of being able to store any one of your Pokemon in the Pokeball and then walking around with it. This Pokemon as a series has always loved people walking. Yeah. I had a, a Pikachu pedometer when I was a teenager. I had the Pikachu pedometer. It was the Tamagotchi one. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. loved the That's hell amazing. out of that. But yeah, they've always, from the beginning, because that was right near the start, Like they've always wanted people to walk around. Um, but yeah, so having that as basically another pedometer, and you could shake the ball around and it will make the noise of the Pokemon that's in there. And oh. the light on it, under the stick, <laughs> is like the light on the DualShock 4, so it changes colour to look like the Pokemon that's in the bowl. That sold me. The thing that gets me when I'm playing on the telly is it like shakes and lights up to match with the Pokeball as it's shaking as the Pokemon's trying to get out. And I was like, oh, oh, my inner child loves this. That is good stuff. I, I have to try and play something into the uh, into the microphone for you, Jim. I bought a little wireless charging thing for the Pokeball and... Uh... 
I don't know how audible that was. It makes the Pokemon the Pokemon Center music when I put it on the charger. And yeah, I charged mine oh. last night. I mean, I, I just used the the Switch AC adapter, and it it did that. The do 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 do, and I was like, okay, this is the best thing I've ever bought. Ah, I didn't know it did that on everything. I've I I the first time I had to charge it was when I put it in this charging thing, but I just got very excited. It's fucking great. It's it's. It's not something I'm going to use the way a lot of people use it because, as I say, I'm I'm playing it mobile and I I say mobile, I'm playing it handheld and I like just the usual control scheme for that. But carrying it around and just I love the when you shake it. I not only do I like the texture, I like the vibration in it. Like the yeah. it's just a almost like a stress reliever thing. Um, just to shake it and him because I put a mew in it at the moment, so it just lights up pale pink. And I shake it, and there's just this great, like, like tactile feedback of the whole thing. As someone who's still playing Pokemon, uh, Pokemon Go, I've been using it to like, if you put a Pokemon in it and connect it to Pokemon Go, it will basically auto spin Pokestops for you, so you will never not have items in that game, Ooh. which is great for me because it means I'm just like. I will never have to spend any money ever in Pokemon Go because my well-behaved Magikarp that's in that Pokeball is just spinning all the stops for me and getting me all the items. I didn't know that. I, I re-downloaded... This is how obsessed I got with Pokemon Let's Go. I re-downloaded Pokemon Go again. Um, mostly just to get a Meltan, which I did get. But then I've it seems very complex to evolve it and I still don't quite know how to do it. Um, Here's, here's what I will say, Jim. Don't worry about it. I will evolve a Meltan for you and send you <laughs> an evolved Meltan because I'm I'm playing enough like I'm currently doing quests in Pokemon Go to evolve my Meltan faster. So like don't, don't worry, I'll get you an evolved Meltan. Oh, I appreciate it. You're too kind. Um, Laura's been looking after me, listener, when it comes to helping me get the Pokemon I need. I I just got really excited that you of all people got really into a Pokemon <laughs> like that you were playing Pokemon beyond like the end of the Elite Four, and I'm like. Oh, I have to capitalize on this. My my friend is into Pokemon. I've got to help him. It's it's um, yeah, it's been a little nostalgia thing for me because I've always admired Pokemon as a series, but I didn't. I fell out of love with it not because of anything it did um, since Gen One. The other ones I've played them all, but I've never really gotten too invested in them. I'm like, good Pokemon game, all right lovely stuff moved on mm. um but this has brought me back to when i was like I, I don't know how old i was when i first played it like somewhere between 13 and 15 somewhere along those lines um and yeah like here i am almost half of my life later and i'm i feel like a, a giddy kid again with this stuff that's the thing for me it's just made been making me feel like a giddy kid again and i it's very easy when you do this kind of work to get a bit cynical and jaded about even the most wonderful of video games. It can be easy to be like, oh yeah, it's another great video game, whatever. This game has just made me feel like an excited child. And I'm like, I don't want this to go away. I want to keep this feeling for a bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I am, I am doing a big old quest to get every single Pokemon in Shiny right now, which has been... Uh, an interesting quest. Uh, yes. 110 or so hours in, I have 32 species of Pokemon in Shiny, so I'm over a fifth of the Pokedex completed, which is... That's wild. I, 
that is further than I expected this to go. I didn't think I would get this far total. Yeah, I mean, again, considering... I mean, what is it? it even when you max out the combo, like, and max out the chance of seeing a shiny by chaining Pokemon... It's like, what, a four in 4,000 and change chance? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So a couple of these I I brought over from Pokemon Go, and a couple of these I traded with people, but a lot of them I've caught myself through catch combos. Uh, I, have a, I have a big old collection. Let, let, me, let me read for you my collection, because I'm very proud of this. I have Shiny Raticate, Shiny Ratata, Shiny Pidgeotto, uh, Bellsprout, Pidgey, Zubat, uh, Spiro, Blastoise, Wartortle, Paris, uh, Psyduck, which is blue and it's adorable. I love my light blue Psyduck. That does sound like a cool one. Uh, Charizard, uh, Butterfree, Tentacool, Tentacruel, Golem, uh, Caterpie, Weedle, Magmar, and uh, I think there's some more. Let me scroll through nice and quick. Maybe that's it. That's that's the ones that I've got in front. Oh, yeah. Um, Eevee, Flareon, Vaporeon, Jolteon. I've got those as well. Wow. Uh, Gyarados. Uh, Pinsir. I've got a shiny Pinsir. Ooh. Uh, shiny Chansey. I forgot about that one. Um, Ponytar, Rapidash. That might be it. Uh, oh, a Pikachu. I've got a shiny Pikachu as well. There you nice. go. I mean, that's the other thing. You're not just getting one of every shiny Pokemon type. You're getting each evolutionary stage as well. Oh yeah, I'm trying to get each evolutionary stage. So like, oh, I, I need like three shiny Charmanders to get Charmander, Charmeleon, Charizard. Yeah. It's, it is a quest I am on. Um, yeah, hell of a quest. If any of you are listening and have caught a shiny and are willing to part ways with it, let me know. I will, I am, I am, I will find things to trade with you to... I, I want to be the very shiniest. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there we go. That was some Pokemon words. It's 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 not perfect. I, I think we've kind of glossed over this. This is the thing me and you have been talking about a bit this week, Jim. This game is not perfect by any means. No, no. The issues with it are all deliberate design decisions on their part, which are working as intended for them, but leaving me scratching my head just saying, why? Yeah. It, I, I think the way I, I described it to you the other night was that it, it's kind of like No More Heroes mm-hmm. in that, like, it's one of my favourite games ever that I couldn't give more than, like, an 8 out of 10. Because it's, like, fundamentally not a good game, but I love it. Yeah, there's just some stuff in it that are just, you know, the motion control's the biggest one. Yeah. Where it's like, just, I, why? Come on. Come on. Yeah, I... I... I did a thing this week uh, that I I would like people to go and read because I'm really proud of it. That was um, an article about the motion controls in in Let's Go, and specifically their effect on disabled gamers. Um, that was a great article. Yeah, I did interviews with a bunch of people who basically were like, "Yeah, I fucking love Pokemon, but I can't pick this one up because various disabilities mean I cannot do this throwing motion or." I cannot keep my hands still in handheld mode and I can't turn the gyro off. Yeah. Because, yeah, this game... um, I think it plays kind of badly in docked mode. I love it on in docked mode. It's If a thing doesn't jump left and right too much, it's really actually quite relaxing to just... For, for me, to make that... To make a throwing motion at the telly, do my catch, that's fine. Um, handheld, definitely much easier to aim. Um, the gyro aiming is infinitely better for me. Um, 
But the thing is, is there's a lot of people who can't do the gyro and can't do the motion. And the thing that annoys me about this game, and the reason I singled it out, is there is a, there is a control scheme already coded into this game yeah. where you can use the analog stick to aim and press A to throw. And you can do that in handheld, but you can't turn off the gyro. So if gyro is a problem for you, you that you can't do that control scheme. And it won't let you do the analog stick and press A docked. Won't let you do it docked. So if if that's the method that works for you, they the Nintendo were just like, nah, we want you to do our our gyro and our throwing. We want you to do our motion. Yeah. They actively disabled features to force you down this road, and I just yeah. think that's... I, th- I I think it's faintly despicable, if I'm perfectly honest. If they had made this the default, but had said, okay, you can customise what mode do you... What control method do you want docked? What control method do you want undocked? Do you want gyro on or off? Do you want to use the analogue stick, yes or no? Just make those checkboxes that people can optionally use. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it, that's the biggest thing that's holding it back from like a game of the year contendership for me. Because normally, if I've played a game as long and as in depth as I have for this, it's going on the list. I did that with Dark Side, uh, Dark Side, as I did that with Dark Souls Three. Um, mm. When I was like, while I was playing it, I was like, maybe this isn't game of the year material. Like I've seen a lot of this stuff before. But then, as I was in like, by the time I reached my third new game plus on it, I was like you know what, I can't stop playing this and it's, I don't have many bad words to say about it, it's going on the list. Um, This, there are one or two many things where it seems designed from a position of arrogance than convenience and I can't, I cannot fully reward that. I'm trying to think about my complaints and my complaints are not giving more choice about which of those control schemes to use docked and undocked and like what control scheme you want to use out of the the options coded into the game um why not just give me my friends list and let me click on who i want to trade with i can't really think of much else i want to complain about though and like there's something that's got to be said for that i'm i'm over 100 hours in and that's my biggest complaints. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I say it's it's my tolerance level for uh, industry side bullshit is so low that yeah. that kind of stuff really does just turn me right off. But, you know, I can't deny that it's 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 something of a testament to the game then, I guess, that I am still playing and loving it as much as I am despite things that really do annoy like annoy me on a fundamental level yeah like as much as this game has some fundamental design decisions that i think nintendo have actively hurt this game by doing i also think this is going to end up being by far the game i put the most hours to uh, into during calendar 2018 and considering it came out in november oh sure yeah that says a lot that it i'm probably gonna play it more than anything else that came out in the year yeah i mean Issues aside, they made an incredible game. One that not everyone will enjoy. Not just for the reasons we discussed, but also because, you know, some people don't want this streamlined Pokemon Go hybrid of a game. Um, For me, it was just the right amount of balance of stuff taken from Go and taken from mainline Pokemon that it created something that hooked me to the point where I'm so glad there are not, like, 
loot box shenanigans or microtransactions in here oh. because during that time where I spent an entire day trying to find the perfect Ekans, if it had been like 199 and we'll nudge that one imperfect stat right up for you, I may have done it. Yeah. If, 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 if they'd not included the hyper trainer in the post game stuff and had instead said, this one is five out of six perfect stats, give us 199 and we'll fix it. Yeah. I, there was a day where you would have done it, I think. There are so... And, and you know, this is part of the reason why, why I rail against microtransactions is because I have that kind of impulsive nature and something of an addictive personality where I do have to really work hard to avoid microtransactions because if one sunk its claws in, it would get me. Um, I've got that. I am that. I've got that kind of brain that publishers prey upon. It's it's why I don't even redeem free loot boxes in games because yeah. I don't want to get into the mood of oh well that was fun I'll start buying some. Yeah, you know it's it's what pisses me off when some people who don't you know don't have that psychological makeup are like well it's not a problem never bothered me. I'm like well you're not in their target demographic you're not the prey <laughs> you know. Um, I've argued with some people who go to bat for the industry saying, oh, you can't call them predatory. And I'm like, no, they are. You're just not the prey. So you don't feel it. Yeah, no. The the, the prey are, like, people... Like, my, my, my brain is obsessed with completing sets of things and numbers, and if I have an incomplete set of stuff, my brain has a very bad time. Yeah, and it's psychological. It's not just, like, people being impulsive because they're stupid or anything like that. Like, some people have brains wired that way. Yeah, my 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 brain is wired in such a way that my brain just goes, yeah, but it's not complete, though. No, it's not complete, though. It's not complete, though. It's not complete, though. And it just, like, kind of loops on that thought for a while, and it's very upsetting. Yeah. and, and It's and, not fun. And, and people get preyed upon with that. And yeah. I can only imagine what Pokemon would look like if it was in the hands of Activision Blizzard or EA or Warner Brothers or Ubisoft. Um, it would be it would be a nightmare. I, I would have to stop playing it. If it was published by yeah. almost any other publisher, I would have to stop playing it because... The level of obsessive playing I've had with it this last two weeks, I couldn't do if it had a microtransaction model. Yeah, basically. The one microtransaction-y thing they do have is Mew is in the Pokeball, buy the Pokeball to get Mew, which is kind... As much as I love that Pokeball peripheral, it's a real shit move on Nintendo's part. It is a shitty thing to do, especially because the Mew's fucking randomised. Well, no, more... Well, the thing that annoys me more than that is if you're a Pokemon Go player who's been playing it for two years like I have, I have a Mew already in Pokemon Go. Um... I did a multiple stage quest to go get it that involved like a lot of gameplay and doing a bunch of activities. And that is the singular Pokemon that they will not permit me to transfer from Pokemon Go to Let's Go. Because that would mean that I wouldn't have to buy their Pokeball peripheral. They're like, yeah, yeah it's... They, they they deliberately would not let their functionality work for one Pokemon so they could sell it to me a second time as a physical toy. And like Yeah, I mean that is shitty, definitely. I love that Pokeball peripheral, but also like that's a fucking shit move, Nintendo. Like, I I know people who haven't got the Pokeball who are like, oh, is there any way I can get it? It's like, I have one on go. I wish I could send it to you. Yeah, it's like someone was because yeah. I was saying the game, you know. 
saying I was pleased that the game didn't have microtransactions in it and someone fired back with, well, what about the Mew with the ball? I'm like, it's not a microtransaction, not 50 bucks. Um, it's, it's just... Well, the, the thing I will say about it that makes it scummy to me and why I feel like it falls into that predi- shitty predatory microtransaction category is... Uh, is because of the fact that while while you can get the the reward that says you completed your Pokedex without getting Mew, if you transfer a Meltan over into your game from Pokemon Go, it will then leave that one slot, 151 in your Pokedex, untouched, and there is no way to fill it without buying the Pokeball. And for people with brains like mine where I want to have the full thing... That would have really wound me up. Here is one number that I cannot fill in. Yeah. No, I, I can't disagree. I can't disagree. Um, I think it's only a semantic thing where, where we might disagree. We, But we both agree on what it is, even if we don't have the same term. Yeah, no. I, I agree that, that semantically it might not be a microtransaction, but like... It works similar, definitely. It, it feels like this is the one thing where they did a... We're going to upsell you if you want to have the complete experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, just the fact that Activision and, and its ilk were to do worse doesn't make it cool in this instance. Yeah. Um, I am just, you know, I am glad it's not as bad as it could be. Uh, but the Mew thing is, it's slimy, you know. It is. And, and Nintendo... Seems to do it because it thinks it can skate by because it isn't as bad as everyone else. Like when they were like, ideally, we'd tell you what you get in this season pass for Smash Brothers, but we won't. And it's like, you can't criticize the industry for doing it and then just do it. It doesn't, throwing your hands up and saying, oh, well, we're doing it, doesn't make it okay, you dicks. It was really a weird move of Nintendo to be like, it's a bad idea to try and sell a, a, a season pass before you tell someone what's in it. We're selling you a season pass before we tell you what's in it. All that says to me is, we know you're going to get it anyway, you little fuckers. We don't have to tell you. We don't have to do anything. We're Nintendo. We've got your money already. Bastards. Yeah. The Pokeball Plus is good, though. <laughs> like, it's... It's, it's good. I, I love the texturing on it. I like this little Pokeball. The tactile elements to it are great. Yeah. Hello, Gav. You right, Kevin? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're waking up from your nap. God, I really thought we'd be done quicker than this. I'm sorry, Gav. Yeah, I was sitting the other direction to the microphone there, looking at looking looking at looking at Reddit on my phone. <laughs> how how are you doing? I'm doing fine. <laughs> you've not you've not been convinced by our conversation that you need to rush out and go play Pokemon, have you? No, I'm happy there's another Pokemon for all the people who love it, but it's just it's never, never gonna be for me. It's there is some people it just isn't for. Yeah. How about Gavin though? What you been playing this week? What what has been in your in your console? What kind of game is Gavin's game? All all I got to play this week because I was pretty busy was a few more hours of of Fallout uh, seventy six and um, you know at first I was kind of um, just lukewarm about the game. I wasn't super pissed off about it or anything i was just didn't expect to like it so wasn't really disappointed with it but the more i played it the more i actually kind of got annoyed with it and started to resent Mm -hmm. it because like geographically this is probably the best world that bethesda's ever made and they've just filled it with with nothing and it's really disappointing because it i i would describe it as like 
the game is like a cycle of hope and disappointment over and over. You see this amazing looking building or something on the horizon and you go and you, you explore it and there's nothing in it. It's empty. There's just bits of junk and a couple of, if you're lucky, there's a holotype. If you're unlucky, you're probably going to have to spend, you know, 10 minutes reading a wall of text in a terminal. And uh, it and, and the whole game is like, you know, when you when you have a bunch of friends that go on holiday and you can't go and then they come back and they're all talking about all the great adventures they had. And it's all like, oh, well, you had to be there. Yeah. But imagine now all your friends like died on that adventure and you're just like st- learning about their adventures, even though they're all dead. Well, basically, that's Fallout 76 for the whole game. All you're doing is reading about much more fun things that other people did that you don't get to do. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Other people, like, characters have played the game and you're picking up after them. Exactly. And it's it's th- what summed it up the most for me was I went into this mansion and found... Uh, a secret base downstairs of this, like, vigilante squad and... There was all this cool history with them and they're um, led by this woman who dresses up like a Silver Shroud character and and she was the actress in the show and and all of this stuff, all I could think was like, I really wish I could have interacted with these people. Yeah. I don't give a fucking shit about their story because they're all fucking dead. In a regular Fallout game, they could have been a potential joinable faction. Yeah. I don't agree either that it's more fun with friends. If anything, the game is more annoying when you're playing with other people because you... Some of the design decisions, like, you you can only use terminals one at a time. So you have to read the big wall of text. Then you ha- your friend has to read the big wall of text and you're waiting for each other to do this. The holotapes thing is a disaster because there's no way to pause them or fast forward or rewind. And the game likes to interrupt you in the middle of them. Yeah. It's just so... There's so many baffling design decisions in this game. And and other people can strip all the resources away even, like, can't they? They, As, yeah. as near as I could tell, I know people have had a hell of a time finding power armor frames with actual power armor on them. If it's not in a container, then uh, uh, other people can take it. Yeah. Um, but there, the combat, like... The combat doesn't carry this game either, and I was—I actually think the combat in this is worse than it was in Fallout 4, and not just because VAT sucks now. Like, the enemies in this, A, there's just so many of them. Mm-hmm. B, they're complete and utter bullet sponges when you start getting into the 20, level 20 up. Um, C, they have some crazy fucking aimbot on. I've never played a game where the enemies hit you so often. Yeah. I'm glad it's not just me that thought all this. Like, I was wondering, like, did I suddenly get worse at Fallout in the time since Fallout 4? No, you didn't. The enemies have crazy fucking aimbot in this game. And their bullets will bend around corners and hit you, like. And, um, you know, and it's it's not that it's difficult, because they do so little damage. But it's just annoying as shit when you're constantly getting yeah. hit and your character's like, oh, uh! There's nothing like entering a building and then oh just being God. almost instantly surrounded by robots or scorched. Oh, let me tell you about my experience with that, right? So I found this building that was overrun by super mutants. I counted them 
there were 22 fucking super mutants in this building, right? Massive bullet sponges. I went around the building for about, like, 10 minutes, sniping them, kind of doing it stealth and whatever. Killed them all. Went into the building. It had two rooms. I went downstairs into the other room. They all instantly respawned right in front of me. <laughs> like, literally just appeared out of thin air. This is literally 30 seconds after I killed them. The respawns are annoying. And so I have these 20 fucking supermans, which are like massive bullets. It takes like 12 to, to 13 shotgun blasts directly into their face to kill these guys. And and they're the same level as me. These aren't like super high level enemies. And they're blocking the doorway so I can't get out. I'm trapped in this corner. And all I can do is just fucking sit there and die and... Hmm. I was just what what is with this game? They did they play it? Well, they certainly didn't finish developing it. I suppose that situation would have been easier to handle with like three other people with me, but I don't know. I I'm I'm imagining that they play tested it and when there was like no content for them to play or they didn't have enough people to to get out of situations and they were having your kind of experience, they were like yeah, but but it's online. So when we put it online, There'll be there will be people, so there'll be game, so it'll be okay. Yeah. So they they probably had as bad an experience as you, but went, yeah, we'll put it online though. Then they'll 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 be game. They'll be game though. Then they had that online beta for everyone, and everyone saw it was full of problems. But because it was launched so close to release, they didn't do anything about it. Yeah. yeah at least like at least the games like Destiny have the courtesy to spawn. To respawn the enemies, they give them a little ship that they come down in, or they'll respawn them. Yeah. They'll take care to spawn them out of your sight. This game doesn't give a fuck. They put a little bit of work in it. And that's one thing that Bethesda needs to do, is if they insist on still making games in an industry that's completely outclassed them, the least they could do is not act like it's 2003 and actually have enemies, as you say, spawn in a believable way, have actual atmospheric details, explaining gameplay mechanics, not just cobble everything together the way they've been doing. And that's part of the issue of this game is, more than any other Bethesda game, the cobbling together, the desperate stitching to get a vaguely working game together is more obvious than ever because they've always been able to hide behind some really good storytelling and characters and quest progression and factions and all this stuff that's now missing. They took the best... It's not just about Fallout. They took the best elements of Bethesda games out of this Bethesda game and burned their get-out-of-jail-free card. But they somehow made all of the flaws in their games worse in this one as well. Like, the way they've done the combat in this really shows... It it doesn't just show how clunky the combat is in the games. It makes it really just worse, you know? Yeah. Like, I just don't enjoy the combat at all in this game. I find it infuriating. Real-time VATS is the worst idea they've ever had. I don't even use the VATS. I use it as a snap aim. Another thing that sucks, I don't know if this is just on the PC version, but I'm using a controller, and the VATS won't... If you If you flick the stick up, it won't work. To go up to the head. you got to go left and right. It's, yeah. Because yeah. normally in a Fallout game, you just flick the stick up and it goes to the head. But it doesn't seem to work in this one for some 
whatever reason but i don't use the vats anyway no i I was only able to cycle through i had to go left and right to just cycle through limbs yeah um instead of the intuitive way vats had always worked before but yeah vats at least in my experience was only really useful i say was now because i i actually deleted it today i'm like i'm not playing any more of this shit um Vats for me was only good as like a snap aim, almost like in Red Dead Redemption or something. Yeah. Um, except in Red Dead Redemption, you can just aim and it will snap and then you can fine aim yourself. But here I just press the Vats button, then depress the Vats button so that I can actually aim. Because Vats makes you less accurate now. Because mm-hmm. it can go from 95% accuracy to 0% instantly. Like yeah. in nanoseconds, up and down, because the enemies skitter about and duck behind walls at such a pace. Vats can't keep up with it. Vats is less accurate. The one thing I use Vats for in this game is for compensating how bad the visual language of the game is. Because there's so many times you can't see an enemy when they're shooting at you. That's it. It's only good for picking stuff out. Then you instantly get out of Vats to actually shoot because Vats barely lets you shoot. Um, It's a dreadful game. And fuck the mole miners. Oh my God, the mole miners. (laughs) Talk about bullet sponges. And they just rush at you with their shotguns that they never seem to miss with ever and never have to fucking, you know, slow down or oh it's just there's so many the computers are cheating bastard things in this game. And I Fallout 4 didn't have that. Yeah. It's almost like they couldn't balance it because they were too busy desperately trying to work in environments that Bethesda's got no experience working in. Mm. Almost. Fa- but Fallout 4 didn't have that problem. Like, the, the combat in that game was never frustrating. I think probably because they were sticking to what they knew in that one and were working on actually, you know, balancing that and testing that properly instead of working in an online situation in which they mm. can't. <laughs> Bethesda yeah. simply can't do it. I think Fallout 76 has evidence that. They can't make a good game in that style. I wouldn't have minded if it was more like Destiny, like uh, as you mentioned, Destiny. But to just do Rust, Rust by way of Fallout, is it's sad. It boggles my mind that they put so much, clearly put so much effort into the world. Like it's an amazing world they've built. I don't know how much of it you explored, but some of the buildings and things and 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 the architecture is just the coolest shit they've ever built. Like the three, the two mansions up on the hill on the huge big stilts. Yeah, those are incredible. I agree with you on the like the interior stuff. Yeah, is some of it's really well done, but it feels wasted. It is. It is wasted. Yeah, any good in this game has been thrown away. All there is to do in there is shoot at bullet sponge enemies and pick up some rubbish, and if you're lucky, you get half of a bit of a, a story about someone who did way more interesting stuff than you. Yeah. And I, I, I cannot with games that do that. Mm-hmm. It, it, the, my go-to example is always Homefront, the first Homefront game where the single-player campaign was all the other characters were invested and you were shooting and everything. Mm-hmm. But it was their story and they barely involved you and eventually you like, I'm just the camera operator. <laughs> I'm just filming these people having a great adventure, having interesting and investing things to do. And I'm like, don't, no. Do not make the make the player the player. Mm. Don't just make them the, you know. Otherwise, what are you doing if you're not letting the player interact with the world properly? If if everyone else in the the game story has either done everything or is doing everything interesting, what are you doing? I know because it just makes things feel so pointless. Like even 
the is it what's that what's the big um hotel y thing the white white something manor or estate or whatever and it's like the t- the place they were showing in all the trailers and the place that they took people in real life and everything and i got there and i was like whoa look the size of this place this is going to be cool to explore and you literally go in there's a few robots selling stuff and then it is this massive empty building yeah I mean, there's all there's furniture and it's all set up. There's just barely anything to do in it. <laughs> it's just my, it's just it's boggling my mind. I was wandering around. It's like, what's the point of this building? Yeah. Like, what's the point? There's nothing in it. I was similar to you, like in that I first played it and was like, okay, this is a bit dull, but not offensively dull. And then after we did the podcast last week, I, I went back in and played and just got more and more pissed off when I it it became more and more evident that. Oh no! This is it. Mm. This is the sum total of of what Fallout seventy six is, and it's almost nothing. Mm. It's it, there's enough in there to not be nothing, but it's almost nothing. And then you know, once the glitches get worse and worse, the more you do, and the slowdown, the frame rate drops. The and there's no. That's the thing. There's nothing that there's there's no reward for you for pushing through the bullshit. Yeah. That's it. To what ends am I playing this? The answer is no. No ends. Like, you know, Fallout 4 gets a lot of flack, but that game had some really cool parts, you know, like helping your robot detective friend and his backstory. And I don't, and, and, and it's just, I just, it's the first rule of storytelling. Show, don't tell. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I mean, basically, Fallout 76 is tied with the early 90s teen drama 15 in that regard. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, anyway, to, to, to summarise my feelings on this game, at first I didn't care that it wasn't great. And the more I played it, the more annoyed I got that it wasn't great because there was so much potential yeah. to be great with the world they built. And if they'd made another fallout game like they usually do even if like there's so much dialogue and acting in this game i don't think it was a budget thing uh, if if it had been real people instead of tapes and and computers this could have been the best one they've made you know <laughs> it's... that's the puzzling thing it's almost like they they have deliberately disabled i, well, I say disabled it's it's not like they flipped a switch and turn it off they've deliberately not included human NPCs and settlements and, and a world to indulge in. And, and I guess it, it's almost like forcing the motion controls in the Pokemon game in the, <laughs> it's like they're trying to force everyone else to be NPCs for each other. And they're trying to force you to make this their world. At which point you think, what are the developers there for? <laughs> mm. what, what does Bethesda exist for? Just to give us a sandbox. To, to make our own video game in. We've got Sea of Thieves for that. Even something like the trading, which like the fucking robot vendors only have 200, 200 caps per day. And you can't, so you can't sell all your shit. So you have to, I had to drop thousands of ammo. Yeah. And like so much chems and that. 200 caps per day, but super mutants spawning every half a minute. But your stash only can hold 400 weight, which is tiny did they fix that in uh, the game's first 50 gigabyte no, update no no they said they're not going uh, to, they, they probably oh. are they said they might raise it but they said that i don't know i don't know but anyway it's just um 
the, the, so the robots only have 200 caps per day and where was i going with this there was something that really annoyed me about it oh i'm sorry i sidetracked you yeah ah there was something that really annoyed me about the you the, said you were money. selling loads of i had to sell loads of shit and they only have 200 caps a day and yeah i can't remember what i was gonna say man you <laughs> uh, my apologies sir. my apologies Ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I hate to say it, like, because it's my favorite series, but this game is not... I have no will to play it, you know? It's shite. It's it's dog shit. Like, I, I don't even have any inclination to be kind or, or understanding toward it. It's a bad idea. Not that Fallout multiplayer is a bad idea inherently, but to build an entire game around... A rust knockoff. They couldn't even do a destiny knockoff, which at least would have been something. It's a bad idea executed badly. Yes, exactly. And speaking of bad ideas executed badly, this is what I was going to say. Okay. So they they said that the the robots aren't really great for trading because they wanted the trading to happen between players, but the player trading system is complete garbage. Of course it is. And 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 people never want to trade. Like, as far, my ex- whole experience in this game is unless it's a friend that you're playing with, no one wants anything to do with you. And and that's fine, because I don't want anything to do with them either. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost as if people have played Fallout games to be, like, lone wanderers, almost. Almost. I have to say, I, I did get one moment of joy from this game, and that was when I was... I had leveled up quite a bit to like 20 or so. And uh, I came across like a level two or three player who was like his health was really low. And he was like biting some rad roaches. And I like called him over and dropped some stim packs on the floor. And he did like a heart emoji and went jumping around in a circle. (laughs) And I was like, that was the most fun I've had in this game. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the kind of story I do like. But then that's why I would play any populated online shooter where you can have a medic class. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to trawl around West Virginia to find one person that needs help. You can technically be a medic in, in this game, but you kind of want to be in a party, really, to, to avail of it. Yeah. And and again, I can be a medic in so many better ways elsewhere. Uh, and that's that's, again, another issue with this game is everything it wants to do has been done. And better. It's just an inferior version of anything else. And again, Bethesda's managed to get away with having, you know, let, let's be honest here, technically inferior games. I don't know if they have gotten away with it, though. I mean, it's the lowest reviewed Fallout game ever. And the sales the sales are down are down 80% from Fallout 4. Oh, but that's what I mean. Until now. Until now, they've gotten away with it. But now everything they had that let them get away with it, they've not put in this game. They mm. took the Bethesda out of the Bethesda game. Mm. Um, and, and I think we're seeing, you know, it, it's not appealing to people. Um, but then this is the company that thought it could get away with paid mods for Skyrim. I don't think Bethesda even knows why its games are popular or what its community enjoys. Um, I won't rag on the sales just because I don't think physical sales can really count toward much these days. We don't know how much is sold digitally. Um, And Fallout 4 was quite some time ago. So it's hard to, it might be the sign of something of the game failing, but it might not be. And plus we don't know 
how well the microtransactions will do for them because I think a lot of publishers now don't care so much about sales. They only want to make as much money that, mm. as they can off of whatever audience they've got. What is they call them? Whales? Whales help them out a lot. Yeah, the people that spend, you know, huge amounts of... You know, basically, the, the juiciest prey in their fangs. Uh, so we, I, I don't... I think it's too early to call any sort of failure on the game. It's in terms of, you know commercial success because yeah, we don't know what they're going to add to this and but then uh, then i think about that and i think all that development time that could be being spent on elder scrolls <laughs> 6 and and it's fallout 76 is a monument to squander in my opinion um and you know it might commercially pay off for them they might rake in doubloons over this but creatively i think that game is a complete and total failure it's it's Digital ineptitude. I mean, when I when I think of this Fallout spinoff and I think of New Vegas, I just I think how how did we get here? Yeah, well, we we got here by not having Obsidian come back <laughs> to do another Fallout, which would have been probably a really good game, considering what they managed to do in eighteen months for New Vegas. Imagine what they'd have done with actual you know support and and not reckless uh, time constraints. Yeah, yeah. Who knows what they could have? Who knows what New Vegas could have been? Considering it is brilliant mm-hmm. for all its flaws, so you know, I, I've I, I said on the Jim Inquisition this month that Fallout seventy six has done for Fallout what it did, what Dynasty Warriors nine did for Dynasty Warriors in my eyes, in that it is so bad. And does so in a way that exposes the fundamental flaws of the series. Mm. That it's made me retroactively wonder about my praise for the other ones. It doesn't even just expose them, it amplifies them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in the, especially in lieu of the quality content you've come to expect, there's not a lot much else to focus on but the weaknesses. Mm. You know, and what they did to Vats is similar to what they did to Zhang He. So... I think the comparison is Fallout 76 is the Dynasty Warriors 9 of video games. Yeah. Yeah, it's disappointing, man. Did you play it, Laura? You did a bit, didn't you? Uh, I did, and it just really wasn't grabbing me. Like, I, I, I put a couple of hours in, and here's the thing. Jim will understand this a bit more now. I had Pokemon yeah. available to me at the same time. <laughs> I, was having, I was having the thing where I was like, I've put a few hours into this. Yeah. Why am I continue like even even more than like I often sometimes feel about open world games anyway? I was just like, why am I playing this? Mm-hmm. It's a thing I really want to be playing. Eh, and I just I didn't give it much time. Yeah. Once I once I was done with it, once I had enough gameplay basically to put a video together for seventy six, I couldn't be done with it quicker. I it it's. It's grotesque, <laughs> in my humble opinion. Um, if anyone's wondering what the shortlist for my shittiest games of t- uh, 2018 are going to be, that's on it. I don't think that's going to surprise anyone. I think it's utter, utter dog shit. And Bethesda, at this point, have shown their ass and should just be a publisher and stick to publishing Doom and Wolfenstein and other good games made by other developers. See, I find it more frustrating because I don't think it's complete dog shit. I just think there's enough in there that uh, I think there's enough frustrating, bad, annoying things in the game 
that uh, it makes me disappointed that this is what got attached to the probably the best world they've ever built. And I don't know what their plans are for this, but I really, really think if they want to um, win back their their core, they're going to have to somehow get it in the lore that there's going to be some NPCs in the game. You know, and don't give me that. Don't give me this robots are NPCs fucking... They're not. Not the way they've done them anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. If they you, could have been NPCs. In fact, there's one part of the game where the robots kind of are NPCs, and it's in this little military camp, and you do this kind of training course to, to join the army. And that was really fun. Oh, I've seen that one, yeah. yeah. That, that was classic Fallout. You know, that was a good, fun little mission. And I wish there was more of that stuff rather than fucking terminals. <laughs> yeah. Look, the robots are NPCs, yes, in that they are non-player characters in the most basic of sense. Yeah. But they're not what we've come to expect from, you know, Fallout or Elder Scrolls NPCs. There's nothing emergent or, or interesting about them. Bethesda, why? I love you. Why did you do this to me? <laughs> idiots. They are idiots. And I, I, I feel no shame saying that. In this situation, and Bethesda's made a career out of incompetence, as I demonstrated on the Jimquisition this week. In this case, though, Fallout 76 is pure and total idiocy that might still succeed for them. You can fail upwards. That won't stop it being idiotic. Well, there are definitely people who are enjoying it. I mean, actually, and that's a funny thing, the, the difference between the Fallout subreddit and the Fallout 76 subreddit, it's so weird. It's like two <laughs> completely different... Uh, it's almost like two different games they're talking about, you know? It's weird. Because the yeah. Fallout 76 Reddit is more full, more full of people who do like it, and then the Fallout Reddit is just, they hate, they can't fucking stand it. Like, Yeah, I guess they, they kind of shave the audience down the more specific the subreddit you get. Yeah. Uh, and there is no accounting, as they say, for taste. So, you know, there might be people listening to this podcast frustrated because they love it, and then, you know, that's fine. Go love it please yeah Uh, that's totally fair people and you know there are people out there who enjoyed no man's sky so you know (laughs) yeah yeah you know i everyone has different tastes just for me this has none of the things i love about fallout well it has one of the things i love about fallout the the beautiful world yeah but it has none of the other shit i love about fallout that's that's like wearing a t-shirt and no other clothes that just enhances the nudity of the game to have one thing that's all right. Well, it's it's like going to a restaurant and they give you this beautiful plate with no food on it. <laughs> Is uh, should should we before we wrap up? Should we talk about the one other the the newsy thing of this week that we had some thoughts on? Yeah, yeah. I, this has been a podcast in two halves, basically. Yeah, it, has. it was Jim and yeah. Laura the first half, and then Jim and Gav the second half. And now we can all talk about how gambling is being peddled to kids. Yeah. And the games industry is probably going to get raked over the coals over this very soon. Good. Good. Because yeah. it's fucking disgusting that yeah. they yeah. can do that. So the, the short yeah. version, um, Gambling Commission looked into loot boxes. And hey, guess what? Over the two years that loot boxes have been growing, so has childhood gambling. Yeah. Childhood gambling in the past two years. And, and the... The Gambling Commission did not make quite the strong connection that I have in that 
two years ago was the year of the loot box. Yeah. That's when they start, you know, Overwatch should kicked in and the following year game companies on mass jumped on the train. And that was about two years ago. And in the past two years, yeah, child gambling has quadrupled in the UK. Uh, now at about 450,000 kids gamble and 50,000 of those are classified as gambling addicts, like gam- problem gamblers. There's no way around it. Loot boxes are obscene, predatory, scumfuckery. Like. Yeah. Yeah, they're unregulated gambling. And the only reason they've been unregulated is because the law is slow and technology is fast. Yeah, like, here's the thing. You look at, like, an Overwatch loot box or a, a FIFA pack, a, like, a FIFA player card pack, both of them are pay money to have a random chance of getting the thing that you want, and if you don't get the thing that you want, then you put more money in because fear of, uh, what was it, the, uh, the sunk cost fallacy? Mm-hmm. This idea that you've put too much money in to not get a return... And that return's got to come soon because it's, you know, my luck's got to add up. Eventually I've got to get the, the, the payoff. That was me catching Ekans's. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly like, ah, your kid has spent 12 grand on FIFA packs. Yeah. And, and those stories have happened over the years. Yeah, they happen. Sure, it was, it's, it's like, you know, they've turned these games into fucking sticker albums. Well, they've turned them into sticker albums, but they've turned them into sticker albums that don't have like published odds well here's the thing panini sticker albums you've got an equal chance in every pack you get of getting any card any card yes it's not comparable and you and you and you always you always get a silver in in the in the sticker packs yeah you might get a duplicate silver but you're always going to get a silver panini have, have said like um and i think um Oh, I forget which country did it. It might have been Belgium. It might have been Australia. But one of the gambling commissions that have been looking into this have, you know, they ran the math and said this is not at all comparable to a sticker album. Like mechanically it is, but in terms of odds yeah. and what it does to people, it's not the same thing at all. Because yeah. EA have tried hiding behind sticker albums uh, in their FIFA game full of gambling that they market to ages three and up. Um it's it's utterly despicable, and I'm glad this is happening. I would have rather the game industry clean its own bedroom up, tend its own fucking crops, and exercised a little restraint. But as they say, regulations are written in blood. Corporations never want to exercise restraint. It's only ever about the next financial quarter for them. So eventually something happens or enough bad press is generated, and I said this two years ago, and here we fucking are, Enough bad shit will happen and enough bad press will happen and it only takes a few politicians getting interested and we see what we've been seeing. More gambling commissions looking into this stuff, loot boxes being named and shamed, countries making them illegal and it's not going to get better for them. And it'll only make games worse in the long run because they've, they've made such almost blasphemous amounts of money now off of gambling and microtransactions that shareholders are going to want to know where the money's coming from next. And this leads into what I've been talking about a lot, about how games reduce in quality but ask for more money. Publishers are going to get desperate, and it's all because they couldn't keep it in their fucking pants. So yeah, all all of that, like, hey, it's technically not gambling stuff. Um, Yeah, but it's making kid gamblers, so... Yeah. So fuck you, game. Utterly fuck you. Here's the thing. 
this has been picked up by the BBC now, which means that it's only a matter of time before your fucking Fox Newses are talking about it. And yeah, the Daily Mail's already jumped on this. Yeah, and and this is the th- this is what we were trying to get to happen when we were all talking about how shitty and manipulative loot boxes were. So hopefully that ball starts to roll in soon. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't even trying to get it to happen. I was just warning. I was warning publishers. I was like, look, if you want to avoid regulations that aren't yours coming down on your heads, if you want to be like what the ESB was, ESRB was and get ahead of this so that people aren't breathing down your necks, you need to control you, exercise some fucking restraint. Yeah. They didn't. They can't. And not anymore. They're incapable of restraint anymore. So something's going to restrain them because corporations want to be treated like people when they behave like wild fucking animals that need to be locked up. You fucking commie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, that's, I think that's probably the end of the show there, isn't it? I, well, I do just want to say, you probably shouldn't lock wild animals up. Just leave them in the wild, right? Yeah. But let's put corporations in zoos. And I'll wander around and fucking... I'll, I'll poke things through the cages of that zoo. <laughs> Fuck them. Uh, Quadruple. Yeah. And I'm not one to, to make, you know, equivalences where there aren't there. But loot boxes were uh, named and shamed in that report. And the years add up. The time frame works. And how else are kids getting into gambling if not the unregulated gambling that filters down to them? Won't somebody think of the children? <laughs> I mean, won't they? I... Oh, they are thinking of the children. That's the problem. I'm fully aware of how I sound sometimes. I am fully aware that you could paint me as, you know, a moral panic Jack Thompson-like almost. I'm a, I'm, I'm not unwise to that concept. But fuck it. I'm, fuck it. If that's how some people are going to end up portraying me, fine. I, I simply warned them what would happen and now we're seeing it as i've done time and time again and always been ignored and laughed at by so many people and yet time and time again i get proven right because i know this industry because i've been studying these soulless cold-blooded reptile fucks for 10 years now and i know how they fucking think and operate and we're seeing the results of it now Desolate bastards. The sun has got his hat on. <laughs> the sun has got his hat on and he's coming out to play. But first he's <laughs> got to pay $60 to play and then a subsequent one ninety nine for every box. The sun he had his hat on on a lovely day. But now he's fucking dead and you are sifting the remains. <laughs> Oh dear! Shame about that hat as well. He got that in a gold crate. And now you now now you have to get ballistic fiber to craft yep. it. And there's no ballistic <laughs> fiber anywhere because now you need to use that to repair leather for some reason. Yep, makes it makes sense. Checks out. <laughs> if we want to go back to video games that are sometimes good, I got I I have arranged trades for a shiny Charmander, a shiny Dodrio, and a shiny Dragonair during this podcast. So Damn like, right you have. I'm I'm having a good time with the video game. <laughs> oh yeah, well I, I'm going to be going back to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I still have so much stuff to do in that game. So I've got a game I can't talk about this week. I can talk about next week. I'll go go do now. I'm excited to hear about that game next week. Also, once once I've cooled down enough 
enough on Pokemon to find time for other games. I want to talk a little bit about Warframe on Switch next week, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I played a little tiny bit of it, not enough to really talk about. But, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, I want to I wanna play more, but, like, next week. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was today's podquisition. Basically, a, a game of two halves here um, with a, a nice little epilogue. Uh, where we just slagged off the game industry, which I've, I've got time for every single day of the week. Um, <laughs> but if people love all this and need to find out more, um, especially more Pokemon coverage from me, I saw you quoted in a, a guide somewhere, Laura. I was, what, I forget, me? What? I forget what where. I, I was, because um, I'd forgotten all about the legendary birds, and I decided to just like, oh, quick, where's, where is Moltres in this fucking victory road? Um, and when I Googled... You were uh, tweet quoted. Oh, was this my tweet about uh, Wild Legendaries? Wild Zapdos, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I was like 100 hours in. I just saw a fucking Zapdos flying around. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, oh, it's Laura. It's Laura. It's me. It was like when um, I was on TV Tropes once and they mentioned um, your, uh, your D&D podcast. Uh, oh, Dice, Dice Funk. Oh, and then shit. I was like, oh, there's a whole TV Tropes page for Dice Funk. That's fun. Oh, yeah, no, Dice Funk has its own, like, dedicated TV Tropes uh, curators. Yeah, it's a great. thing. <laughs> um, but, but how can people find all this stuff out on the internet? All me and my stuff. Uh, you can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter. Laura K Buzz on YouTube. Laura K Buzz on Twitch. Uh, keep an eye on my Twitch. Couple of times this week, I've just gone and done an hour or two of shiny hunting live stream because oh, it's just right. a nice, it's a nice calming thing to do where it's like, ah, I don't have to focus too much on the game. I can just chat with the chat a bit, so that's nice. Um, Monday to Friday, Kotaku.co.uk. You can find me doing stuff like my article about disabilities and Pokemon. Let's go. I'm on Dice Funk. It's a fifth edition D- Dungeons and Dragons real play podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, and five. I'm on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, a podcast where me and my fiancé do silly voices and skits and just try and make each other laugh. And I've got some books. I've got a memoir that's coming out in July 2019 called Uncomfortable Labels. I've also got an illustrated coffee table book called Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is up on Unbound at the moment doing crowdfunding. We are about 80% funded. We are slowly creeping up there. I think we're like... I did the math. I think we're about 150 copies away from fully funded. So we're pretty dang close at this point. So if you're interested, we've got audiobooks, hardbacks, signed hardbacks, ebooks, all sorts of all sorts of jazz. Magnifique. And Gavin, Gavin, as people may have told from your lovely singing a moment ago, you are quite the popular music star. And how can people find all that out? You can find me Miracle of Sound on YouTube where you can hear all my songs and you can also hear them on Spotify and iTunes and all the good stores and you can support me on Patreon if you want to help me pay my bills and that's Miracle of Sound as well and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miracle of Sound. Brilliant. I'm sure I forgot something but meh. That's all good. I've, I've, you'll remember it after we've stopped recording I guess and then it it wouldn't be efficient but yeah. I, it don't matter. It's all, it's all good. Um, yeah, uh, as for me, I mean, you know all my stuff. Um, I don't have a date for the next wrestling thing yet. Uh, I know it's sometime in December, uh, so I'm sure I'll be able to promote that when I know things. Um, I will say, right, I use a hashtag now because Stardust is, you know, still in a Pokeball somewhere healing up. Uh, I am wrestling as Sterling and using my account my Jim Sterling account because it's me that I'm wrestling as. 
Um, and if you don't like that, I have a hashtag that I use whenever I tweet in that, you know, character and context. So hashtag wrestling. It's like wrestling, but it's a portmanteau. W-R-E-S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G. Wrestling. If you don't want that content, don't get up in my mentions being all just talk about games. You can't do this. Keep it where it belongs. That's part of my career and choices and who I, I am know wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch me. That I parody, know wrestling. That parody article about you was, <laughs> was brilliant. <laughs> it was very well done. Yeah, there's a... That line, yeah, don't touch me, brilliant. I know wrestling. I mean, that literally <laughs> is like something you would say. <laughs> that did that did warm my heart. It's, it's fun to be satirized, actually. Yeah. Um, that was enjoyable. I would imagine it. It's quite flattering. Yeah, yeah. Um, the writer was apparently a fan. Um, I think one of the giveaways was they name checked a Conrad Holmes, which is a, it's it's not the deepest cut you could make, but yeah, it, yeah. it's it's a deep cut in terms of um, Jimquisition, you know, related lore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Um, so yeah, yeah. You know, if if you don't want to hear about what I've been doing in indie wrestling then just mute that hashtag. There are, you can easily find out how to do that. The mute function is fairly straightforward. Um, I'm trying to provide the tools here because I know not everyone cares for it. And I know, you know, as, as passionate as I am about it and as much as it, as it is becoming something of a, an additional career uh, branch for me, I understand some people don't want to hear about it so much. And I, I try and limit the tweets as well. I don't tweet about you know, my indie wrestling endeavors constantly, not even every day, um, not even every week even. Uh, but I do use that hashtag if you really don't want to see it. So, you know, I'm doing my best to balance. It's an odd thing having two very distinct public facing jobs here. And I'm trying to juggle that. Um, and trying to juggle kayfabe as well for someone who isn't a natural born liar. It's an odd thing. Um, like I hate, I hate mistruth, but, you know, sleight of hand and illusion is all part of the, the gig. But anyway, I won't get into that. I'll just say, right, there's your hashtag. I'll be, I will be using it for your benefit. Uh, that's what I'm doing here. So use the tools I've given you to avoid stuff if you don't want it. Thank you. Uh, and on that note, uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Love you dearly. Goodbye. Bye. It wasn't just aimed at one person, that even though I know one person who will think it was aimed at them. They're not the only one who's been complaining. They were just the rudest. All right, see ya. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>